Hello and welcome to Two Fat Expats. I'm Kirsty Rice. I'm here in Adelaide, South Australia. And my co-host, Nikki Moffat, uh, and fellow expat is in Copenhagen in Denmark. We are up to, I don't know, somewhere near the 180th episode, I reckon, which equates to eight seasons of this podcast. Nikki Moffat, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you, Kirsty Rice. How are you doing today? I'm good. <laughs> we are uh, one sleep away. Yesterday was my daughter's 15th birthday. Lovely. And we had a party, which was very hotly debated with six, four or five weeks into a new school year and whether we'd have enough yeah, friends to manage tough. that. So, yes. yeah, no, but in the end it was perfect. She had two friends come from Hamburg for the weekend. They came up on the train and then... Uh, she had some new local friends as well, and they all mingled, co-mingled appropriately. So very good, very fun. This is an expat thing that you wouldn't have happen very often, right? Because you wouldn't... Never. Usually you would <laughs> have move old friends too to far away. <laughs> yes, but you've moved just to the country next door and... Um, Really, with both of them being about the size of a postage stamp compared to <laughs> Australia, um, yes, you can go in and out with ease. And so it's just such a – I really think, Nikki, this this move of yours is so unique uh, in many ways and maybe just so foreign to me because I've always ha- moved where it's involved – Having a plane, a plane that's gone over a and sea. another continent, yes, yes. and and absolutely the same for me too. And it does feel weird, but it feels so lovely that we could have done this because there was a yes. moment where the girls couldn't come from Germany, and she said, "That's it, I don't want to have anything." So I was very, very grateful mm. yeah. that they could come, and they were, their parents were able to rearrange other events that were meant to be yesterday <laughs> to sort that out. And so, yeah, so and also it was quite interesting because when she was having her presents, you're never too old for Lego, especially in Denmark. Uh, so she got this whole very cool Black Widow Lego set. Oh, wow. And she opened it at the party and uh, she said, oh, my God, this is amazing. And, you know, she was really thrilled. And the girls that bought it for her said, oh, thank goodness. She said, you know, we don't know that much about you yet, Willow, because you're still new, oh. really new. And so it was just that moment of real honesty in that age group, which is very tough to sort of yes. find. <laughs> Yeah, uh, where everybody realised that you know they they all want to be friends and everything's fine, but but they don't know whether a Black Widow Lego set was really going to cut the yes. mustard. So, yeah, I can tell you, we came home after the party, and she pretty much made it straight away. So it's already yeah. completed oh. in her room. It was a big hit, but That's yeah, brilliant. it was really um, it was really interesting watching them because the the Hamburg girls and the, and the Copenhagen girls. So we turned up to the party. All the Copenhagen girls were already there because getting three teenage girls out of the house is a very difficult thing to do. So yeah. we got them out of the house, turned up, and then so the hugging started. So they all hugged each other even though they'd never met. And because, of course, in, in Denmark we have no more COVID, so hugging's back. But it, it was just very um, – it was very weird. And I heard one of them say, are you a hugger? Yes, I'm a hugger. Okay, hi. And then just hug. First time they'd ever yes. met each other. So it was it was just the dynamics of watching it when I was able to be close enough to watch and hear because obviously most of yes. the time I was not able to be that close by. But uh, it, it was just um, – it was so interesting watching, you know, all these teens from different countries. And then when we were doing the cake and singing happy birthday, because there's 
maybe 10, they speak 10 languages between them all. So they were singing it in all these different languages, which is, of course, very embarrassing for the birthday girl. But And then two of them, one from Hamburg who's Danish and, and a local girl who also speaks Danish, were singing the Danish birthday song together. And then they were teaching everyone together. And they just met, but they were doing this process. And so it was really yeah. nice. It was really like when you meet as adults, as, you know, globally mobile people or expats, you just sort of, you find the common denominators that you have with other people and you really just pick up on them straight away. So yeah, yeah no, it was a successful day in the That's books. Beautiful. Thankfully. I'm busting to see if this generation continue these hugs because you and I have talked about this before, because I'm always blown away by the, the, the hugging and the constant hugging between, you know, sort of 13 to 20s. And yeah. um, I, well, A, is COVID changing out of it? Obviously not because you've just witnessed it yesterday. But I also see it just as much with the boys. And it's not even the hugging. It's that when you're that age, I wonder, do we just do we just forget that uh, so in our little we've got a little share house you know in the city yeah that the our our university age kids are in and so there's a lot of lot of bodies that float through that um, house you can imagine Nikki there's a lot of little sleepovers and stays and pre's before going out to nightclubs and whatever and G and I have a real issue with the lounge room that it has this tiny little, it, everybody would know it who's an expat, this, the Ikea couch that is like the little two-seater, you know, with the little, um, you know, round legs You can and you put, you can have three different covers over it. It's tiny and really for us it's a two, two-seater couch and we've got that there with one sort of tiny little single because it's a very small, small lounge room that you literally have to walk through to get to the kitchen. Um, it really is university living. And uh, Fred, my 17-year-old son, who, you know, is a good six-foot-one now, yes, will sit on that couch with, you know, four mates where they're all, <laughs> all over each other. Do you know? They just... <laughs> All over each other, looking at everything on everybody's screen, laughing, eating, just laying on each other, do you know, and they don't think about it. Um, It becomes an issue when when one of our other people that lives in the house, who who I didn't give birth to, when her boyfriend's there because then everybody's a little bit, you know, where are they going to sit because it's him and her. Um, And it always fascinates me that there's a whole different rule to personal space with with that age, you know, on where the relationship fits. But when do we stop doing that? Who knows? Because we we definitely do. Um, and, yeah, I'll talk about that a bit later on when we're talking about our three favourite things for the week because there was something that really struck me and something I watched. But I love your story about Willow. I love that she uh, has made some friends there and it is beautiful. I can just hear that conversation. I've been a part of that conversation before and I yeah, – it is an amazing thing, isn't it? They they give you hope that the world is a good place and that yeah, yeah that they, they don't see those things. Yeah, that's lovely. Okay, Nikki, moving on to our fat questions for the week. I would like to ask you, Nikki, because I had an anonymous uh, post during the week. Um, a fantastic woman uh, from Australia sent me a request, could I post something anonymously for her? She was moving to Germany and she had a question. And I thought, 
why have we not discussed this before? This is so good. <laughs> so her question was based around the fact that they were moving for her partner's job, uh, but she had the opportunity to keep doing the job that she'd been doing in Australia and they would let her do that for 10 hours online uh, while she was in Germany. And she was a bit torn because, A, it was a tax question, um, but she was also thinking about, well, is this going to restrict me though when I, from looking for a job in my new location and will will it affect how I sort of settle in to my new location. So Nikki, I'm asking you 20 years down the track, if you had a chance to have a job in Australia that you could do from anywhere in the world or a job locally in your expat location, which one would you choose? Such a good question because of all the things that you've just said and also because of what I'm currently living through, which is I have a job in a previous location at the moment. Mm -hmm. And does that stop you from settling in? Because it 100% does. Mm -hmm. Uh, It it is a, if you'd asked me when I first left Australia and said, and asked me that question, I'd say, oh no, I want the job in Australia because I'm only going to be gone for three years and Mm -hmm. uh, I'll need to keep contacts and context and, you know, it will still give me my Australian work experience, etc., for when I get back, which is one of the things that people find challenging. So I would definitely 100% have said, I want that. Now I'm thinking all these years on the track, I understand it. And certainly for, for an initial move, it's a good, just, it makes you feel like you have a little bit more control. It makes you feel like you're a little bit in the driving seat in some situation, mm-hmm. but it does really impact uh, settling in. Um, if you're working in another country, I know people in Hamburg who do jobs in Australia on Australian time zone. So that's really hard. They're working mm. in the middle of the night when everyone's sleeping. Yeah. So there are all these things that you have to consider that you don't consider when you say, this is awesome. My employer's being great. I want to do this. Um, but I, since moving here, like, I mean, Kirstie, you can see behind me, my, the room I'm sitting in is not, <laughs> if I was not working at the moment, this room would look a lot different because I would have like a whole day to sort of, yes. and it needs a whole day. Right. And so, but now when I get to the weekend, I'm like, oh, I'm tired because I've been working all week and I've been juggling these other things. So it's my weekend too. So I'm going to not do it on the weekend. So yes, yes. I, I know I've sort of gone around in circles a lot there, but initially I would have said, yes, I would like to have the job in Australia. But now I think, and also because of COVID and because I have worked in overseas work environments, they're really important um, when they can exist for establishing, not necessarily social, although some jobs I've been in, I've, I've created sort of large social circles, but just establishing outside your home environment, a different set of people and interactions and it also helps localize you in a way. Even if everyone speaks English, you pick up things about where you're living or different perspectives and or English or the language that you speak. Sorry, I should say, but this is an English language question because she's Australian like us. So, yeah, look, I think now I'd say I'd prefer a local job. Obviously, you, the, the goal is a job or something that can transfer wherever you are. But I think having a local base and community is is a good thing. And I would say um, having a job that you keep when you move is really tough, particularly in the first few months of a move, because you 
don't have all that flexibility. You know, when you move, you've got to be available for someone to do this and someone to do that and people to turn up at any time of the day or night, or you've got to be able to just go to a shop and get something at short notice. And you might not be able to find that shop. You might be driving around for hours or riding your bike and stopping and looking at the map every 30 seconds, as the case may be (laughs) in Copenhagen. Uh, So, and I've, you know, I've been doing that. And then I've taken a call from my boss who needs something done immediately that I have to do it on computer. And so like that, all those things are, are really hard when you, when you have a job remotely when you first move. So yes. yeah, my answer isn't cut, clear cut, but I'd say that it, it really depends on, on all the factors as, as we always say, Kirsty. Now, if anyone's understood that, congratulations. Good job. Kirsty, uh, but what about you? What would you do? I would, and in this particular case, uh, the woman in question said it's about 10 hours a week. So if I could limit it to 10 hours a week and in particular only one to two days, I would totally keep that job. And my reasoning is, I'm with you, Nikki, I think, you know, I, I worked full time for somebody who was in Australia when I was in Qatar and I know I was not in Qatar in my headspace at all in that entire time because in particular his job was very much in the media and so all you're doing is reading Australian papers, looking at Australian questions. Your head is totally in Australia all the time You because you're thinking, you probably overthink it too because you think, well, I'm not there so I need to concentrate more on, you know, w- whether it's what the employment lawyers are or what the conversation is or just keeping abreast of what's happening. Um, and so – and but. That was fine for me at the time because it served other purposes, whether it was what I needed on my resume, the skills that I needed, um, the fact I had breast cancer at the time. It really took me away from thinking about that because I didn't have any time to really think about that. It was all about uh, how am I going to front up to work at 5am in the morning and you know put in a full effort. But having, having then come back to Australia for this period of time and have, having read all of those articles about how hard it is to get a job in Australia without that Australian work experience and it's almost like people here hold it against you. Like we've done two, at least two other podcast episodes where we've talked about this. You know, we we talked mm-hmm. to Mark Daniel who told us what to say in interviews and how to do interviews and we talked about what the how people look at expats and and, and possibly why they uh, don't recognise their experience. So for me, if you have the ability to keep something on your resume, like if you really think, oh, we're only going for five years. So if you had the ability to keep that on your resume so that perhaps you didn't even really need to tell someone you'd left the country, um, well done because that will serve you well like that no one will consider that you haven't been there because you've just kept the same job title and the same role and people can people can take from that what they will um or also if it makes it look like you've been out of the country less you know maybe you only do it for a few years and then and then you add your five years onto that so it doesn't look like you've been gone for as long but I really do think people are very biased and I know that if I was to talk about, because, you know, I worked in Canada and I did my role in Canada, and if I talk about that, 
Yeah, no one's really that interested. But if I talk about the fact that I worked for the person I work for in Australia, everyone's very interested. Um, now, whether that's because he was a media personality and an author, you know, who wrote a best-selling book, but also people can attach something to that. Oh, yeah, I get it. I know what that is. I understand what that is. So that's that's good for me. I don't really understand what that other thing you did elsewhere and I don't really you know how would I even measure that do you know or you know Mm -hmm. what what do you mean you went to Edmonton once a week to do work why did you fly to Michigan to do whatever that doesn't factor into my world um so yeah I I am if you can manage it but I do think you're absolutely right Nikki in that if you're just moving somewhere and you've got your head somewhere else and you're you're stopping yourself from having the coffee morning or the school staying at school a bit later after the at the front fence you know to have the conversation and and also because I know I've met people that have had jobs elsewhere and and I've distanced myself from them do you know because oh they're busy doing whatever they're doing but yes if you can manage it in the hours and the and the exactly how many days so that you could say okay I do this job Monday Tuesday but then Wednesday Thursday Friday I'm all over my new location do that yeah so Mm. that would be and and like you said it's in I if you'd asked Kirsty 20 years ago (laughs) Kirsty would have said no you know quit your job don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) there'll be other jobs but it 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 has the world has changed and isn't that crazy because here we are in this global global world yeah it seems to be very small when it comes to uh employment i did see someone had written in and there was some great advice there i want to say thank you to everyone in the two fat expats facebook community who who gave great advice but there was someone who was a teacher in New Zealand who said she'd worked as a teacher in New Zealand for 20 years, left and gone somewhere else, and when she came back, she couldn't get a job. It was like yeah. people couldn't even see those 20 years. So, yeah. Mm. I saw a couple of teachers who said that, especially even teachers who taught in IB schools, trying to yes. get I, and they And then one teacher said, oh, yeah, and I, I was asked to cover. Like I, I didn't get the job, but I was asked to cover. And I asked them why I didn't get the interview. And they told me no recent Australian experience. <gasps> yeah. As an IB school, can you imagine? I can't even. I can't even. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so so there are reasons to do it, and I, and there are reasons not to do it. And again, it all all depends on your circumstance and and what you're dealing with, where you are. A hundred percent. You don't always know that. Anyway, Kirsty, so I have a question for you. Yes. Uh, how do you follow local media in a new country, particularly if the language is not your own? Uh-huh. <laughs> because <laughs> I have been very lucky. We have been very lucky in that we have lived in five, six countries, and in four of them, a lot of the mainstream press was in English. So we could follow what was going on in the country. We could understand different yes. viewpoints from seeing different media outlets, et cetera, et cetera. And then we mm-hmm. moved to Germany and now in Denmark, and the, there is no mainstream media in English as such. And if there is English media, it is, you know, one outlet. And so you're getting one 
perspective, you know, like, and, and I'm not saying all news is biased, it's not, but I'm saying if you're just getting news from one news source all the time, you're not really mm-hmm. understanding what the conversation is in the country because not yes. everyone reads the same newspaper or watches the same nightly news. So mm-hmm. in any country you're in. So I was just wondering because I, in Germany, I would be, say I would was guilty of not following local news. I followed a lot of international news and when it mentioned Germany, then I would go back and ferret in, into local stuff and have a look at it. Mm-hmm. Or in, in my groups that I'm in, people would bring articles to my attention because they spoke better German than me. They'd say, hey, look at this article about X, Y, Z. And then we'd have a discussion about it based on that stuff. So, And now I'm in Denmark, I'm considering that I should try and find, you know, sh- I should be more media responsible and understanding what's going on. And so I'm just wondering how other people have done it. Yeah. So, yep, that's brilliant. That's my question. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I've had this in a few places I've lived. Um and it surprisingly the one that keeps coming to mind if when you're completely clueless and you haven't thought about something, you know, like I remember uh you know, in Libya there was no news to follow at that point anyway and everything was in Arabic yeah. and whatever, but I remember um that it took me until I got there to realize that I wasn't going to be able to read any map or read any shop sign or anything there was just <laughs> nothing in English I'm thinking how did you not think about this do you know how did you not know but also I remember arriving in Canada and the um turning on the television first thing that was mind-blowing was they had um Oh, what's that? Oh, curling. So they had a they had curling on the television and looking at these people looking like they were basically sweeping brooms up and down the ice going, what is that? But then there was a press conference with the Prime Minister who everybody was asking him questions and he was answering them and then someone asked him a question in French and he answered them in French. And I remember thinking, oh, that's right. Do you know, like... Suddenly the Winter Olympics comes to mind you go, oh, yes, that's right. Everything's in English and French. But, yes, I would say how do I follow local media? It has to be via social media, unfortunately. For me, that's what happened in Qatar was there there was an English um, newspaper um, but it wasn't it wasn't really meaty enough or to give you enough mm. info. Do you know it was all very it was a bit twee. And um so to find out what was really going on was then to sort of find the prominent news people um on Twitter and you know, you wouldn't do it so much with Facebook now, but mainly on Twitter now and listening to the voices of the social commentary that was happening in Twitter because there was no way of really following anything without having fluent Arabic and understanding what those conversations were in Arabic, which I wasn't about to pick up in the first, you know, six months of being there. So there was a lot of following people on Twitter. Um, But it's a tricky one, isn't it? Because you really don't know what sort of information you're listening to. And I think... I have realised during COVID, Nikki, with everything that's happened with the Australian government is quite often I read expat commentary on what they believe is happening in Australia from reading Mm. Australian newspapers. And I think you're looking at a very different Australia to the Australia that I'm currently standing in because there's so much that is said 
in interviews on the radio and, um, you know, tidbits and conversation and bits that you pick up from a media analysis, you know, through other people that you go, oh, that makes sense or whatever. So if someone has written a particularly triggering headline, like no Australians home until, you know, 2025 or whatever, and you're like, what? And, but then if you're listening to a balanced conversation, maybe that morning on Radio National, um, or, you know, not saying that Radio National is the answer, but do you know what I mean? Like you're listening to a, a conversation. There's so many things you pick up, you know, just from I've been reading all about the um, submarines this week and what that conversation is. Oh, now, the if you submarines, main, yeah. <laughs> if you looked at mainstream media this week, all you're going to hear about is that Biden, President Biden, didn't know our Prime Minister's name. Hey, pal. <laughs> You're doing a great job down under, um, but forgot his name. But then watching Insiders this morning and and then you're sort of hearing four different political commentary, um, different views. Um, you know, you, you, then you get a couple of other pockets. You talk to someone on the street, you get their opinion. You know, it's very different when you're in the country, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that's what I mean. The headlines. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm in Denmark and I can look at a, a local news source in English, but is it what the Danes on the street corner yes. are discussing? Yes. I think it's not. I think it's yeah. a different point of view of the Danish media, etc. Yes. So I also think that about Australia, that, that I read stuff and, and sometimes I send it to you and you go, yeah, no. And then you send me something back, and and yeah, and so I really I understand that you know it's a more nuanced conversation when you're there because you're getting more information, and you're also understanding what people on the street are talking about. Like, there are a yeah. lot of Australians who really have no idea the the, the difficulty to get in and out of the country. Yeah, and it doesn't doesn't cross their radar. Yeah. Whereas for me, that's my primary view of Australia at yes. the moment. Yes, yes. And, you know, I know what you mean because I can sometimes forget about, you know, Australians that can't see their family within Australia. Do you know, Mm. like I, our neighbours down the street, they have grandchildren that are in Sydney. And I, I said something really stupid to them the other day about, you know, someone's birthday coming up and what they'd do for the birthday party. And they were kind of reminded me that, well, you know, they can't come here and we can't go there. So it's just going to be a Zoom call. And it was like, oh, you idiot. Like if anyone knows about, you should know about not being able to see loved ones and factor it in with everyone. It's not just all about people from overseas, you know, it's people everywhere. Um, but yes, I reckon, Nikki, it's all about finding the right people on the right social commentary of those people that are going to explain the news to you mm. and whether those people do it in English or not, I don't know. If I was you, I'd just be going to Queen Mary, asking her, what do you do, Mary? <laughs> she's not the queen yet. No, she's not the queen. She's, she, she's yeah. the crown princess and she's always all over the media. So I should. And, uh, reach I out, did hear, reach out. <laughs> ask her what she uses. She speaks excellent Danish and the Danes love her for her Danish. That's her particular. Wow. When you ask a Dane, why? What is it? Why do you like her so much? Because she gets so much positive press. They say wow. because she speaks Danish so well is one of the reasons they all. That's give. brilliant. Yeah. Anyway, good on you, Mary. She's a proper expat, isn't she? Although you might argue that she's she, an immigrant. She's an immigrant. Yeah. <laughs> 
She's a migrant worker. She works very hard for this country. Oh, now I'm embarrassed about my bold statements for the week, Nikki, because I um, haven't done my responsible adult. I have exercised 45 minutes a day, though, although I haven't recorded it because if I don't take my the right devices with me on on those walks and in that activity, it just doesn't get recorded. Um, so I'm a failure this week, I have to say. But um, I hope that I'll come back to you next week and tell you that I have done my responsible adult. But I've been a responsible adult and done my responsible adult. Of course, what about you? How's your bold statements for the week? Well, good. So Cookbook Club, I, I have set up the Facebook group. Um, and I, I'm just still looking for a cover photo. And then once I get the cover photo right, then I'll open it up to everybody and I'll announce that it's there. But it's there, but I haven't invited anyone to join it yet. Uh, so I feel that I'm pretty much on track for that. And um, for the, this week, I'm going this afternoon, I'm going to Germany to mm-hmm. uh, I'm doing my once a month um, few days in the office. And so my goal for this week is to step out of discussions in my household while I'm not here. So often when I'm not here, someone will text me and then someone else will text me and then there'll be a whole discussion and I'll be trying to mediate an argument in a country I'm not in. And I don't think that that's healthy for me because I get all involved emotionally and I get frustrated, but it's another thing that I can't see all the things that are going on. So I'm going to step out and I'm going to say, you know, Resolve it between yourselves and or, you know, speak to the person that is there and that is parenting. So, yes, that, yep. well that's, done. That's well my done. bold statement for this week because I, I thought it's not that much. And then I thought, actually, you know what? It, it really is because I do. Yeah. I, I, it is a thing because it will. It's something that will impact me if I don't make a conscious decision about it. So, yeah, that's it yeah. for me for this week. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think my husband might have done a similar little bit of training on me uh, today (laughs) in that regard because I do tend to ring him and unload with what is happening at home you know during the week with things that he has no chance of fixing from where he is and it's particularly unfair Um, yes I rang him on the way home from dropping my son at work to complain about you know several things that had happened and uh, he, he he used the phrase, look, I don't think this is something we're going to fix right here while I'm standing in the office right now. And I went, yes, 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 I know, but I just wanted to let you know that that's what's happening. Yes. And he went, well, yeah. yep, thanks, okay, but this isn't something we can fix right now, right? No, it's not. <laughs> Okay, Nikki, our three favourite things. I would love to tell you about what I've watched this week. I, I Can I just say, I went and watched and listened to everything that you mentioned last week. Oh, and last thoroughly week. thoroughly enjoyed. So I did the, you know, the one thing a day with Dr. Yes. Michael Mosley. Yep. And just one thing, I think it's called. Yes. My yeah, sister is. did the same thing. She rolled yes. all of them as well. Um, It is absolutely brilliant and I highly, like you, highly recommend just one thing. I also watched, what did you tell us to watch last week and I watched it all? Only Murders in the Building and... Oh, no, 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 the the other other one. Oh, no. With the middle-aged women and the... On the Verge. On the Verge, yeah. (laughs) Yes, so I watched all of On the Verge. It was great. (laughs) And But the one thing I watched this week that I really enjoyed, it's on SBS On Demand, which is an Australian free-to-air 
um, platform. Uh, it was called Strong Female Lead, which is a documentary on Julia Gillard, who uh, was the first female Prime Minister um, of Australia in 2010, and she lasted till about two, 2013, I want to say. Look, it, it was really hard to watch um, in that they only used um, footage, like media footage that was available. So they didn't go, they haven't gone and interviewed anyone or got anyone's perspective now. They've used all the media that was available to them at the time there's no narration there's not anything you're just you're just watching this all unfold and as you're doing so there are several things that will come to mind the blatant sexism and I and I think anyone who's not Australian they may have heard Julia Gillard's famous uh, misogyny speech where she I'm mm. not yeah I will not take. very big on YouTube yeah yes so Julia Gillard uh, took over it was kind of they called it a coup but it was a you know she um, removed ousted the current prime minister and took his role overnight and so there's a lot of discussion about why people had such a problem with that why people have such a problem with women why people were so obsessed with what she wore how she did her hair the relationship with her partner uh, whether she was married or not the absolute ugliness of some of the things that were said to her, Helen Jones just does not come out of this well. Just, Looking at... No, oh, yeah, can imagine. And so he shouldn't. A hideous, hideous man who after after Julia Gillard's father died, I, you know, you forget some things that happen mm. in the world and then you're reminded and... When you look back in retrospect, you go, wow, he, he said that her father died uh, we, of shame. Yes. yes. And, and we should say that he's a media commentator in Australia. So yes, he's a conservative media commentator. Shock yeah. jock, yeah. And, and it's interesting because he was the one that said her father died of shame, which was so not true. Her father was so incredibly proud. But um, that is part of what egged her with the um, Tony Abbott with the misogyny speech is mm. he uses that phrase in that that's one of the last things he says before she stands up and and does the misogyny mm. speech look it, it is brilliant to watch it's about an hour and a half I would highly recommend the other thing that came to my attention and I had forgotten about this so one of the things that Tony Abbott did is that when he lost the election he just didn't stop campaigning and there was this this period of of it just never slowed down. He, you know, most people lose and then they go away and lick their wounds and then they think about how they're going to mount their campaign and and they address and argue and and, and fight with with the current government. But you know, it, it it's been widely reported that one of the things with Abbott was he just didn't. He just stayed in election mode. He did just as much media. He did just as much, you know, push, 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 push. And you realise that with Julia Gillard that it was just, you know, punch on from the beginning, that it was it was a fight. Um, so, yes, so I would recommend Strong Female Lead. Have you seen it yet, Nikki? I haven't, but I've seen a lot of and listened to a lot of commentary about it, so I do want to watch it, but I yeah. just haven't had yeah. the time to sort of have that kind of intense watching yeah. this week. Maybe I'll have it this week when I'm by myself. And have yes. <laughs> yes. 
Uh, the other thing I watched for season two of The Morning Wars has started. So I watched episode one last night. Look, it's, it's good. They have a good recap at the beginning to sort of remind you oh, of what recaps happened. Recaps are important. They are, especially the older you get. So it was good to have the recap to go, oh, yeah, right, 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 right. Right at the beginning, they show you a desolate New York an absolutely desolate New York, a COVID New York. But then they quickly whip back, rewind three months earlier and you're at New Year's Eve. And oh. so you see, yeah, so you see the cast that you remember from New Year's Eve and you see where everybody is placed now. No sign of Steve Carroll, um, but definitely Jennifer Aniston and uh, Reese Witherspoon. And... What I really enjoyed, and this is a bit weird, but the bit I really enjoyed was the background to how they got into season two. So at the end of watching, you know, your episode one, there is then a little snippet for you to watch about how they came back to do season two. And season two was evidently meant to be completely different and then COVID came. So they had to completely change how they were going to address season two. And so they they remind you to look at how life was before COVID. So, of course, when it kicks off with New Year's Eve, they are shoulder to shoulder to shoulder in Times Square. And yeah. there's shared buffets and fruit bowls and uh, people are licking each other's faces, you know, while they're dancing and being silly and all over each other. And it is, it is to show you what they thought was so important to them at that point and they're going to take you through to how they suddenly realise what, what isn't important at all. Um, so it's good. It is it is very good. But I, I really did find the background really interesting and also how they shot it to make it look like that. It was a lot of green mm. screen and whatever. Mm. And then the last of course, thing I have, sorry, oh, sorry, just before you say mm-hmm. that. So, of course, Morning Wars, as it's called on Australian Apple TV, is called The Morning Show in other countries as well. So oh, just yes. in case anyone's confused about the name there. Yes. Say, you're wrong. It's not called that. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> And my last thing is in Invisibilia, which I always struggle to say, which of course is an NPR podcast. Yep. They are doing an entire season on friendship and it is really oh. good. I have just started it and in true Invisibilia style, it's all the whole overthinking and uncomfortable questions. Um, and so the first um, episode is kind of about why we don't set the same um, reference points with our friendships as we do with our romantic relationships, like the official yes, we are together and the official we're going to break up. And one of the really interesting points I thought was they said that the average adult friendship lasts for about seven years. And I thought, oh, like in a relationship, the seven year Yes. And I thought that is really interesting in the expat world because I think as expats, we quite often tell ourselves that we would have these long, long friendships that would last forever if we had stayed in our home countries, you know, but it's our expat life that has had us had to create these fast friendships, you know, where we've dug deep Mm. very quickly 
um, and that it's the fault of the move that's made us, you know, sort of lose contact or the ability to be with that person. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe we're just really lucky that we've been weathered the, we've been saved from the breakup stage of most of our relationships because we've had to move or move on. Look, it's really good. I really like Invisibilia and um, it's well produced and I think it's a great topic. Mm, that's good because it's been in my stream but I just haven't listened for a little while so that makes me want to go back and listen again so excellent okay what about you what's your three okay so sex education season three also launched this week and all eight episodes dropped at once on Friday I did not have time to watch them on Friday because I was making a very bad ice cream cake and going to a wine night and all sorts of things but I did have a little look yesterday after the party when I came back and I just, I love sex education so much. I said to my kids, oh, sex education season three is back. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, so it's Otis, Maeve, Eric and Adam, they're all back. Gillian Anderson is 48 and she's having a baby in this series. Um, <gasps> the school is just as sort of bizarre as ever in, in the way that it's just sort of cross between a US and a, and a UK school and you don't sort of ever understand what's going on. But they've got a new head teacher who sort of brings in uniforms and sort of whatever she's a bit evil I'm not I haven't worked her out yet I've not finished the season but there are new themes and I think the thing about sex education that I didn't probably realize in the first few seasons I thought it just spoke really well about sex and about teenage relationships and how awkward they are and how things happen but in this season they've got a, a non-binary character Ah. And they've also got um they had a dis they had a last season they had a disabled character, a paraplegic actor who is paraplegic. Um and he this season they're exploring, you know, sex teen, you know, sex in that context as well. Uh-huh. So I think that that's really interesting as well. Like she like there's a scene and, and the, the girl says, So what can you feel? Like, and he said, you, do, do you want to know if I can get an erection? You know, like, so it, it's just very yeah. straightforward, backwards and yes. forwards. And I think, you know, it's really, it's just excellent in that you don't see that kind of thing very often. And as I, I read an, an interview with the, the person, George Robinson, who's the actor that plays the character. And he said, you know, a lot of paraplegics or disabled people are in TV shows and you just see them there being disabled. You don't see this kind of detail about yes. them. Like yes. and, and he has people come over and he says, I'll, I'll offer you a cup of tea. You'll have to make it yourself, but I'd like to offer you one, you know. And so yes. all those things that you just think, oh, that's right, he can't make yeah. a cup of tea, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I just think it, it's just really presented in a really – the writers have done it in a way that's just really easy and straightforward and, and yes. not uncomfortable and just – I really – I'm really enjoying it. I like it anyway, but I think it. Yeah. I think it's a really good show. Um and then the other thing I want I want to say is it's one of my oh you know maybe maybe if I don't have anything else to watch so on Friday nights um, my husband and I watch Ted Lasso because we don't have a social life yet and I've got my husband into Ted Lasso and he did all the catch up work and so on Fridays we sit down together and watch it yeah. and then it's just an hour and so we don't have anything else to do so we started looking for something else to watch afterwards so we watched one episode of Ted Lasso and then one episode of another show yeah and we started I started watching a show called C on Apple TV. Kirsty, have you have you seen C? No, is it S-E-E-E? S-E-E. Now it's got Jason Momoa, which is probably the first thing you need to know about it. And it's like I wanna say, if I'm giving you the elevator pitch, it's like Game of Thrones with non-sighted people. So everyone in the show is blind, more or less. 
and um, it's brutal and gory and hard to believe. And we really had to force the first two episodes because we were going, what? How would they do that? I mean, they live in a world which is very well-structured, very symmetrical housing. And I'm going, how would they build their houses like that? You know, they can't see. But basically... The, the sighted people have ruined the world and they live in sort of like a dystopia, which is, you know, everything is. So instead of it being in the past, it's in, in the future. There's been 500 years of unsighted people living and mm-hmm. because the sighted people destroy the world. So there's sort of like abandoned cities, you know, just like that are shells themselves. So they all live in the wilderness in sort of tribal-like camps. Yes. And seeing them have, you know, like wars with each other and how they defend themselves and how they you – know, you have to little get past a little bit of how – but, of course, I'm a sighted person, so I cannot possibly imagine how an unsighted person would do things. And so yes. I, I look at it with a little bit of scepticism. Anyway, after episode two, we were in. So now after oh, Ted Lasso, wow. we, we, we watch, we watch C. <laughs> um, and it's a fan, it's very much a fans versus critics because the critics totally panned it, but it's now in season two, so it was renewed. So you have to say there's something there. They must be getting numbers somehow to watch it. Uh, and my third thing was that, that my daughter had a successful birthday party because that was a big achievement for me and one of my favourite things of the week. So, yes, yeah. we're done. I'm done. No, <laughs> that is brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. Okay. All right, Nikki, it is lovely to see you again on this Sunday and I'll see you next week. See you then. Bye-bye. What?